Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, kaboom! Ever feel like you've been shot out of a cannon? Tonight's guest has, over 5,000 times, circus performer John Weiss has made it his living being shot out of a cannon. Does Paula have... God damn it, Bonnie! (laughs) Yeah, what is that noise? What? Bonnie? Were you yeah. moving something? I Were you flipping pages or notebook. something? Okay, start again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I never saw that movie Groundhog Day, but I think I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> you really ought to watch it, Paul. It's a terrific movie. All right, here we go. Quiet on the set. And Bonnie, just don't do anything. Here we go. <laughs> Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, kaboom! Ever feel like you've been shot out of a cannon? Tonight's guest has, over 5,000 times, circus performer John Weiss has made his living being shot out of a cannon. Does Paula have what it takes to be a human cannonball? We'll light a fuse to the question. Plus, we're opening up the mailbag, because even if the U.S. Postal Service is being cut off at the knees, we're still hearing from all the nobodies out there. Let our circus begin! I'm Adam Felber, the man who every week tries to keep our conversational cannonball on course into the net. And now, please welcome the woman who detonates topics like they're blasted from a conversational confetti cannon, Paula Poundstone! Yay! Yay! So nice to hear you guys' voices again. Thank you, Adam, and thanks to tonight's house band, Nobody Dustin Moberg is back on the euphonium. And I've got to say hello to Dustin's daughter, Millie. Hi, Millie. Hi, Millie. Hi, Millie. Hi, Millie. Do we know how old Millie is? Um, She's a couple months older than the last time we had Dustin on the show. <laughs> oh, did we say hello to Millie before? See, now now yeah. she's an addict. Now she's addicted. Now she probably now doesn't she understand. It. Right. Yeah. On every show she watches or listens to, you know, Dad, why didn't they stop and say hi to me? Um... You know, Adam. Yeah, Paula. I, I have some right-leaning neighbors. Um, like Republican leaning. No, no, they lean to the right. Oh, like physically Just leaning the, to the right. Yeah, the whole family, and I can't figure it out. No, they're, um, no, they're very progressive, uh, but they do lean to the right. Um, and I can't figure it out. Is it like genetic, or is there something about their house? Uh, 
It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. You know, uh, you know my neighbors who've been building the house for four years? I don't know them and, personally, but I know that they, they bring you cookies like on an annual basis to apologize for their misdeeds. Yes, that's exactly right. And now this year, I think the whole neighborhood is just going to reject the cookies. They still don't live there. They're still wow. now there hasn't there hasn't been any noise for a while. Um, but I, I, when I throw the tennis ball for my dog, it it sometimes I, I throw it wrong and it goes over the fence into those guys' yard. And I figured out the other day I I figured out a way to like climb over and get in there. And um there were like ten tennis balls over there. Uh, really? Only only some of them were ours. Apparently, everyone throws tennis balls into their yard, um, which also lead, leads me to believe that I might be being stalked by Roger Federer. Um, that's possible, but uh, I would say doubtful. He's really accurate. He's, uh, he's a oh, professional he's tennis yeah, player, a, Paula. Well, yeah, you're right. They would end up in my yard if that were... The, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And plus, he's so yeah. busy. What am I thinking? He's busy. He's got the appliance store... Oh, that reminds me, just for yes. everybody does know, uh, you know, I keep forgetting to say this. We still yeah. have the 100th caller contest. We are continuing our 100th caller contest. So keep the calls coming, you guys. Our 100th caller will receive any appliance from Roger Federer's appliance store free. And, and this is the kicker, a chance to hang out with Adam after the game. So, yeah. uh yeah, that's, that's uh, fantastic. Pretty, pretty exciting. Um, and at the same time, really uh, not so exciting for me. I don't want to complain about the caliber of callers that we've had on this show, Paula, but a lot of them seem somewhat disturbed uh, or a little bit unhinged even. So I'm not well, you know what, in though? love with the idea of this. Yes. They all love you, and that's all you need to know. That's how Trump well, is with QAnon. All, he doesn't know anything about them except for he knows they love him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't love that comparison right there, Paula. Well, not that our callers are anything like QAnon. Uh, forgive me, Mike and Winnie and... <laughs> and everybody else. <laughs> and everybody else. And, oh, and, uh, well, Mrs. Culpepper never called. No, no I just no. Uh, love talking to Adam, but I don't have to call him on the phone. I'll just jump on right here. Uh, oh, look, it's everybody's favorite uh, antebellum hand puppet, Mrs. Culpepper. Welcome to the show, Mrs. Culpepper. I love talking with you, Adam Felma. Uh, you are, you're quite a talent, uh, and uh, I, I'm so proud to be with you on the, uh, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. But you do, Adam. You listen to Paula Poundstone, don't you? Uh, yes, I listen to Paula Poundstone. I find her to be, uh, to be enlightening a lot of the time, Mrs. Culpepper, and... Uh, I, I love it when you come by, too, because I know that you have a very busy schedule, and yet you always make time to stop by our show. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Is it my imagination or my ears playing tricks on me, or did Bonnie Burns, Captain Gringo, just blow her nose? <laughs> no, I, I, th I, I think you're right. I think you're right, Mrs. Culpepper. I, uh, I was trying to politely ignore it, but... Um, politely ignoring is... never really works with Bonnie Burns, so let's... Uh... Uh, it is... Unfathomable to me that someone, uh, a professional in the show business, would blow their nose uh, in the microphone while we're talking. Yeah, you know, you know what, uh, Miss Culpepper, if you hang on, I'll, I'll check in with Bonnie Burns about that. Bonnie, no, Mrs. Culpepper, I'm so honored to speak with you. I never 
have had a chance to do that before. I did not blow my nose. I have a new a new phone. Maybe the setting is too high. I did breathe deeply. Um, you know, Bonnie Burns, forgive me. <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> uh, 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 f- did you breathe deeply through your nose, Bonnie? No, into I- a <laughs> tissue. Did, yes, went, did you breathe deeply through, through your nose into a Kleenex, Bonnie? That's called no. blowing your nose. No, Mrs. That's Culpepper. what blowing your nose is. Mrs. Culpepper. I went like this. Did you hear that? No, I did not. I, forgive no. me if this falls into the category of solecism, but Bonnie Burns, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I wouldn't lie to you, Mrs. Culpepper. I have was, too much it respect. It was distinctly, I re, I, you know, I have some years on you, Bonnie Burns, and I would say that I can recognize nose blowing when I hear it. I wouldn't do uh, that. The, yeah, uh, I hear what you're saying, but I heard what you did first. Um. <laughs> well, Mrs. Culpepper, I, uh, you know, obviously you've spent years uh, around people who would blow their nose quite a bit. I know, I know that for a fact, and <laughs> I, I would say uh-huh. you're probably right. Um, you know, I used to be a judge at the nose blowing competition at the local <laughs> county fair, and I can recognize. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I was part of training Ed Wynn many years ago, uh, <laughs> who was a top of the line nose blower. I'll recognize nose blowing when I hear it. Bonnie Burns, yeah. Captain Crinkle. Bonnie, uh, what? Schnoz Burns. <laughs> Schnoz Burns. <laughs> Well, you know what, Ms. Culpepper, you bring up an important fact, which is that we haven't actually gone around the horn and asked for noises out of Bonnie Burns and Tony Anita Hall. Let's do that. <laughs> oh, you don't uh, need to ask from Bonnie Burns. She'll give you a noise no. whether you ask or not. <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to specify, and that'll be very helpful. Because I'm Bonnie looking Burns for the mouth. Re- she's always ready with a sound of some sort, isn't she? <laughs> she she is. That's why, we, that's why we've affectionately nicknamed her Captain Crinkle. <laughs> One of the two Crinkle, prominent captains. <laughs> one of the two prominent captains on our show. And and while I'm on the subject, please give our regards to your husband, the Captain Culpepper. Uh, Captain Culpepper, I cannot give your regards much as I might like to because he is not with us any longer. Oh, he's not. No, oh. he is not. Do you mean he's passed on, or are you guys getting a divorce? Oh, no, I'm deeply in love with Captain Culpepper, although he did oh. hide my bushel under a light, so to speak. No, hide my light under a bushel. <laughs> uh, no, the captain has uh, passed on. Oh, well, uh, you know, in I'm the back of my mind, I feel like I've heard that. I'm a little by your friend. <laughs> <laughs> so there's only the one way. surviving captain on the show, and and uh, there's, there's little chance that she will p- perish in battle the way your husband did. Oh no, he did not perish in battle, uh, Adam Felber. He uh, um, he he passed from uh, t- tyrotoxism. Tyrotoxism, the poisoning by dairy products, or cheese. Oh yes, a cheese or other dairy products. It was a cheese. Wow. Well, that's uh, that sure is tragic. Anyway, moving on. Um, it was the goat of the god of Adam Felber. <laughs> Devastatingly sad to hear that. All right, let's go around the horn. Bonnie Burns, uh, make noise with your mouth instead of your nose and tell us what you're up to. Okay, well, Mrs. Culpepper, I'm so sorry, but I'm dying 
to take a sip of coffee. I've been afraid to move. I don't know what's going on with my phone. But okay, here. See if you <laughs> see if you, you can I can tell you what's going <laughs> I can tell you what's going on with your phone, which is that when you blow your nose, it I picks up a sound. <laughs> okay. See God. I apologize. See if you can hear this, okay? Did you no, hear that? it's clear. That's not what you did no, earlier. What was that, oh, that Bonnie? was sipping coffee. I don't know what I did. Was that? I'm sure you heard that. It wasn't that. Okay. Who was, um, knows? And even the. <laughs> okay. So you I don't know. There's no do. shame in it. No, I didn't do anything. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> even the paper in the beginning, the paper's like probably 15 inches away from me. I make notes on the show while we're taping. And all I did was, like, flip my notebook over. How could it have made that much noise? I suggest you not do that. Okay. <laughs> and, Bonnie, we're still no closer to the answer to the question, what's up, Bonnie? I don't think I have anything. I mean, I've just, I realize, <laughs> I realize I've been in this house with just very few excursions since the middle of March. And when I do go out, I'm just astounded. It's like another century or something out there. So I really don't have stuff to talk about. Really? I'm sorry. Wait, Bonnie. Yeah. Bonnie, I have some I have something to say to you that you might be able to relate to. Uh I'm a little afraid to hear this, but okay. <laughs> do you hear it? No. What'd you just do? I was fanning the pages of a book at you. Oh. Oh. I thought Paulie, maybe you it, just it had takes a... years of practice to do stuff like that audibly. Yeah, I was <laughs> deliberately, I was deliberately fanning the pages of a book, and you couldn't hear it at all. And yet you're insisting when you, you know, quietly flipped a page that it made that, you know, I don't nothing, nothing. It's good. It's all good. Okay, Captain. Well, Krinkle. here's what I could do. I, I have two things yes. that I could say. So, I'll pick one. This is really low, but. Paula's book agent is a really smart person in Boston, and I consider one of my smarter friends. And She's we've... a smart person all over. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. No, her, her, her IQ drops 50 points when she leaves the city limits of Boston. Yeah, as soon as she gets to Concord, she's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so... Jesus, don't even talk to her in New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Uh, I, I think uh, I talked to her once in New Hampshire. I, I'll, I clearly remember what she said to me. She you said, do? duh, I like pudding. No, she... <laughs> yeah, my God. You know, I okay. talked to her in North Carolina one time. Uh -huh. She just drooled. <laughs> just drooled, huh? Yeah. Just drooled, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. but in Boston, so... she is smart as a whip. Oh, my gosh. She's one of the smartest in Boston. Well, she really yeah. is smart, and no offense to Simi Valley, but since I moved out here, I really love the stimulation of talking to Colleen. I talk to her about politics, and we talk about literature. So, anyway, we discovered that we had this one guilty pleasure, which is that we both watched Project Runway, which I think at one point I said to her, you know, we can't tell Paula that we watched this stupid show because she's going to make endless fun of us and yeah well i want but, you to but, know that you've you've told me and everyone else just so <laughs> just so just so colleen 
who's very smart in Boston, but not so much outside of there, just so she knows you've you've let the cat decidedly out of the bag. You know, you know what, you know what I heard about Colleen is that in order to enjoy a show as dumb as Project Runway, she has to take a bus to Providence. <laughs> oh my God, she loves Project Runway in Providence. You know, the yeah. weird thing about this story too is that Bonnie, uh, Bonnie looks fine, right? She looks just fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I, in the last, I don't know, five, ten years, I, I've never seen her in anything but jeans. <laughs> Sneakers and a T-shirt. That's, that's the only so this, outfit I've seen her in. Yeah, yeah. So this odd fascination with Project <laughs> Runway just doesn't seem right to me. Well, yeah, it is a little. It is a little perplexing because Bonnie, you are no, you, though a very good-looking woman. You you are no fashion plate. Okay. Well, as I've explained to my daughter, <laughs> you know, I've managed Paula for like over twenty years, and in the old days. That's been mentioned on this show. Yes, I know it has. But in the old days, in the old days, when I felt that an impression made a difference, you know, I got the two and three thousand dollar Armani suits hanging in the closet. They just have dust all over the shoulders. Yeah, and I got you know the Rolex watch, and I used to drive the Jag, the whole deal. I just don't care about any of that stuff anymore. So. You're right. I got the jeans. <laughs> I got the jeans and t-shirts. But you're still Paula's wa- manager. Right, but, but you're, you're watching Project Runway. I, How does that show that you don't care about that anymore? No, uh, for people that don't know Project Runway, they get a bunch of designers and they compete over the season to see who who's the best designer. So forget about that. Anyway... And it's one of those shows where people get thrown off, right? Isn't they it? They get voted off, right? And then they, you know, have three. Yeah, and they cry. Isn't it one of those it's shows where they of, cry? It's the kind of show you would hate and make fun of, which is I do hate yeah. it. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, it used to be hosted by. And frankly, I'm leaving Colleen as an agent. <laughs> it used to it, it used to be hosted by Heidi Klum, who was you know fashion model, all of that. It went to. Alyssa Milano, I think, is her name. Very nice person, I'm sure. She doesn't have Heidi Klum's figure. She's a cookie. She's what? Why are we just discussing Project Runway here, Bonnie? I got to get to this. I'll get to the story faster. Anyway, the point is she was dressed very badly. So every week, I'm not proud of it, Colleen and I would get on the phone and we'd talk about how bad Alyssa Milano's outfits were and how could they have her hosting a show like Project Runway being dressed so poorly. Like... She broke every rule, like she was a little heavy, and then she'd be like in clothes that were horizontal stripes. Okay, so... Oh, Jesus! What? (laughs) Oh, man! (laughs) Okay, cutting to the chase, which I know Adam will love. Are there no prisons? (laughs) (laughs) When the... Horizontal stripes! Okay, I said I didn't have anything to share. Hold on a minute, I have to to get a bucket. I said I didn't. Um, okay. But you're proving it now, so go on, finish the story. No, no, this is fantastic. (laughs) Okay, so when the Republican convention came on... A couple weeks ago. Right. The, you know, Melania's outfits were so bad that I called Colleen and I said, as soon as she picked up the phone, I said, okay, I can't talk. I'm really busy, but I just have to talk to you about Melania's outfits because I was so desperate to do something out of this little womb that I've been staying in. (laughs) So, you know, 
So Co- and Colleen it. said, just hold on. I've got to go to Framingham so I can give a shit about this. Because, <laughs> you know, the first night. Well, Colleen, by the way, is, is Colleen is a, is a dresser. Co- Colleen likes, she likes uh, clothes. Colleen is yeah. Well, she's an she's an agent, and she 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 has to represent people, and so she has to look her best. That's the kind of thing that agents and managers do. Oh (laughs) no! In my case, I feel like Paul is so established, which I, you know, had something to do with. I mean, it wouldn't have worked if she didn't have the talent. Yes, you did. I don't have to give a fuck anymore. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, that's, no, that's impress people anymore. I can't tell you how I, I can't tell you how refreshing as a client it is to hear that your manager doesn't give a fuck anymore. That's yeah, that's just a breath I, I of fresh air. I wish my manager would have that kind of candor. No, that really, that's really okay. Uh, here's the deal: if we have an important meeting, I'll put an Armani jacket on yeah. over my t-shirt. Yeah, when was that? <laughs> we had a meeting. <laughs> We had an important meeting. I don't recall yeah. that. Um, you know, nobody nobody's having meetings anymore. And if they do, they're not wearing all their clothes anyways. Um, you know, Colleen, uh, being a, 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 a fancy dresser, she but she's still not that bright outside of Boston. <laughs> so no. uh, I saw her one time in Boulder, Colorado, and she had her head through her sleeve. <laughs> so outside of Boston... I I hate to say it, Paula, but I met her here in Los Angeles, and she she had her underwear on over her pants. (laughs) Oh, jeez. You know, it's so funny that you say that. Years ago, okay, wait, I'm going to, okay, who was the guy who ran as an independent? He was like a talking head on on political shows Uh, years ago. He was a very um, nationalistic kind of a guy. Um, Pat Buchanan? Yes, yes, Okay. Many, many years ago, I was on a, like a show in Washington, D.C., like a local news show or something. And it was when Pat Buchanan was running. And his sister, Bay Buchanan, was his um, uh, campaign manager. And so she was on this show like as a surrogate for him. And she was uh, complaining about somebody, maybe it was Clinton, I think, that was in Los Angeles raising money. And she said, of Los Angeles, she said, raising money from people who, if they wear underwear at all, wear it on top of their clothes. <laughs> and I... What does that even <laughs> mean? Honestly, precisely. I, I, I'm A, I've never seen anyone do that. B, if they did, they'd probably make a shitload of money. And C, what? Yeah. <laughs> and Babe Buchanan, by the way... I used to be a big MASH, you know, watcher. I guess I still am. Um, And there was an episode where Gary Berghoff, who played Radar, there was an episode where he got a home movie and his mother was on the home movie reel. And it was Gary Berghoff in a wig and a dress, you know, playing his own mother. And um, that was kind of Babe Buchanan to Pat Buchanan. Oh, she looked like Pat Buchanan in a dress? And a wig, but she wore underwear in the right place, as far as I know. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm glad we took that little detour. Bonnie, does your story go anywhere beyond saying that you, you and the uh, and the savant from Boston were talking about, uh, were dissing the uh, first ladies' outfits? Savant in Boston. Keep that in mind. Savant in Boston. Outside of yeah. I'm 
No, I think to come up with okay. what we thought about the fuchsia dress with those little black poofy things and... You know, yeah. here's the thing about that fuchsia dress, in case anybody's interested. I think... I, I, I'm not sure anybody no, is. I think, I mean... I'm riveted. The, okay, that dress <laughs> was designed by... And the fun of talking to Colleen is she knows designers, and despite my T-shirts, I really do too. So we were both like... I think the guy's John Woo or something. And we were both like, can you believe John Woo, you know, designed that? And then... That dress, Michelle Obama had a dress designed by John Woo and looked fantastic in it. So we just thought maybe, you know, Melania made John Woo attach those little black poofy things. Uh, She was just fun to talk to about, you know, how cheesy Melania looked. I don't think Melania looks good in her clothes. She doesn't know how to dress for her body type. (laughs) Well, I don't want to, she doesn't know how to dress for her body (laughs) No type, but I just Her have body to say, type no, wait, no, wait. This is the final so, thing, which can okay, only wait. come from your smart agent, Colleen. Colleen goes, "Well, she favors yellow." <laughs> <laughs> you know, if Melania knows. Anything. And if she's listening, and I'm sure this is a guilty pleasure for her, the way Project <laughs> Runway is for you and Colleen. Right. Melania, she listens to it whenever for, she's outside of Boston. If, M- Melania, for God's sakes, contact Bonnie, Captain Crinkle Burns, to understand how to dress for your body. It's the only way. Oh um, my lord! You know, the, um, the converse yeah. about the converse about Colleen is also true, um, which is that she is so smart in Boston. I I bumped into her one time uh, in the in the state capitol in Boston, <laughs> and she solved global warming. Wow! She's yeah, just right She's there. Amazing. Just solved it. Yeah, and then and then you know, and then we took a a a a. a ooh, what was that noise? My earplug fell out. No. <laughs> Oh, for Christ's sake! Thank you, Captain Crickle. Yeah, that provides me with a great opportunity to move on from the veil of tears known as Silly Sil, um, Simi Valley, and move over to Studio City and uh, our our other producer, you have to. T- Tony and Tony. Nina Hull. <laughs> for God's sakes, what's new? God, um, I went Tony. to Temecula this weekend. What the fuck you went is to Temecula? Temecula? What is it? It, it, it just sounds like a can full of consonants. <laughs> it, it's a city in Riverside County here in Los Angeles, uh, here in California. It's a wine country. It's like, and it's on your way to San Diego from Los Angeles. And oh, it's very, it's, um, it's Trumpsville down there. A lot of oh, Trumpkins. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. Oh. A lot of Trumpkins. So, Gosh. Um, but it was a nice time. If, it was hot though. It was 118 degrees. Wow. And what'd you now, do about now, that? Uh, I just, I just sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you were hydrating. <laughs> Jesus. I was, I was hydrating. Thank goodness Colleen didn't go to Temecula that day. She would have been wearing a down jacket. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tony, I don't want to cast any aspersions, but um, this week you were in Temecula. Last week you were in San Clemente, famously the home of Richard Nixon. Are you sending us signals about uh, where you might lean politically? 
No fucking way. Okay, because it <laughs> sounds like you are. Yeah, but Adam, do you know how she's spelling fucking? F U Q U I N G. All right, I'll buy that. I'm very worried about Tony Anita Hall. I feel she's she's beginning to be a little right leaning. Now, uh, what was the captain's politics, Mrs. Culpepper? Oh, the captain. Well, yeah, I'll tell you something about the captain, uh, which is uh, we we were not always uh, the captain and I wouldn't. We were not in lockstep in our political views. Oh, I see. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, he kept my light under a bushel. Uh, but in fact, uh, no, don't get me wrong. I miss the captain, but I am sure. happy. I am happy to stand on my own with my own beliefs uh, that I would. Uh, There's something a little bit liberating about living uh, in the absence of the captain. Wow, I, I'm I'm happy for you. That's um, I, I hate I hate to think that that the captain was uh, hiding your light under a bushel. And I'm glad that you've managed to emerge into the light of day. He he, he was. It's almost as though that cheese uh, was in some ways uh, providential for you. Well, there was a it was a beneficial quality to the cheese. <laughs> now let me ask you, Mrs. Culpepper, who who supplied that cheese that ultimately undid the ca- the captain? Uh, it wasn't a buffet. Uh, it was a buffet. Yeah, who set up uh, the bu- it... who set up the buffet? Was it you? Costco. Cuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's fine. And with that, Paula, do you have a word this week? Oh my gosh! Oh, you know there was so much going on with the extensive travel of my coworkers <laughs> that I almost forgot. <laughs> I do have a word, Adam. It's hyperbolic. It's an adjective that means deliberately exaggerated. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Okay. During a running race against my daughter when she was two, I gave a hyperbolic moment-by-moment commentary of her winning the race. Um, this, this word is going to make my vocabulary song the most popular song in music history. Just listen. Uh, wait, I gotta get my, uh, gotta get my, uh, um, glockenspiel. Oh, there we go. Uh, uh, here it is. Uh, this week's word is hyperbolic. It's an adjective that means deliberately exaggerated. This podcast is richly financially compensated. Last week's word was lugubrious. It's an adjective that means dismal and sad. Like when ducks poop on everything you had. The week before that, we had pernicious. It's an adjective that means having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. I'm spending more time on the computer every day. Going back before that, we had impunity. It's a noun that means freedom from punishment or from the harmful results of an action. He fell off the roof and didn't end up in traction. And not long ago, we had phlegmatic. It's an adjective that means unemotional and calm. Oh, look, I just drove a nail through my palm. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, 
I do. Yeah, Paula. All right. Bravo, bravo. That was wonderful, Paula. Standing up. Oh, boy. That is some beautiful Glock. Rocking the Glock, baby. you, You give good Glock, Paula. No doubt about it. Sometimes I get sick of hearing it. Uh, me too, Mrs. Culpepper, but I'm trying to stay polite. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, coming up, George Carlin said, when he got loaded, the human cannonball knew there were not many men of his caliber. We have a real human cannonball loaded for conversation when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft (laughs) and and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. 
nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Newt Rotney said, on the other hand, we could just plain lose. <laughs> and we're back. Thank you, house band Dustin Moberg. Hey, thanks, Dustin. Sounds great. Adam, answer the phone. What? Oh, God. Really? Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Um, hello, you're on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Adam, it's me, Mike Bobo Bonifat. Am I, am I the 100th caller? <laughs> no, Mike, uh, you're not. Good to have you oh, on, on board. You're hey, ma'am, uh, hey, what? I know you weren't talking about me when you said you didn't want to hang out with any of us, but um, I know you, no, were, you were talking I, about the other. Like, I Mike, was. You're the 90th you caller, know? by the way, Mike. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, you know, man, I gotta keep trying just to rescue from you from those other losers. Hey, Adam, I just want to call and ask, what happened to the word quotidian? I, I thought that was a great word. Get it, Adam? Quotidian? That's yeah. a great word. I, I know, Mike, you seem to like the word quotidian because you believe that the uh, that there's another word embedded in it. Titty! Yeah, it's titties and quotidian, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> not even, not yeah, even spelled you know that way, Michael. Yeah, but okay. no, it is. Uh, uh, if you do it right. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I gotta say, without that word, that song sucks. I, I, I don't know how you put up with... Uh, how do you work with that bitch? That's what I Hey, hey, know. hey, Mike, yeah. Mike. Uh, man, without that word, without quotidian, that song is not even a good song. Look, I gotta go, Adam. I gotta call back, because uh, I right. really want to save you from... You know, have a t- you know, we we want to hang out after the game with Cher Eva for fuck's sakes. No, okay, all right, talk Nobody to you later, might. man. Good talking to you, Adam. Good talking, Good quotidian. Talk- <laughs> Still works. All right. Uh, well, and we're back. Uh, Paula, well, he you know, loves you. Yeah, he sure does. Yeah, I'm getting. He just loves you. You guys really have a lot in common. I hope he. I hope he wins. I do. I mean, I'm I, not supposed for to play one favorites. Did not. Yeah. But I hope he, I hope he wins because I think it would be good for you guys to spend some time together. I'm uh, not sure about that. Now, Paula, performance venues are closed, and that makes things tough for people like oh, I don't know, comedians. Oh, you know what? It is not hyperbolic, Adam, to say it's a huge problem because that's how I made my living. So I'm looking for a new job. And the other day, I thought maybe I could be a human cannonball. Wow! Well, Paula, by outstanding coincidence, we have a professional human cannonball here who can tell you whether or not you have what it takes to make a living hurtling from the mouth of a cannon. Oh, man. Yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about a train engineer? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore a career as a human cannonball. And here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the stressful, high-stakes world of being shot out of a cannon is the man who did the cannonball act longer than anyone else in the history of Ringling Brothers' Barnum & Bailey Circus. He's been shot out of a cannon over 5,500 times. Please welcome John Weiss! Yay! 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 
Oh, man, I feel like I'm back in action. I love this. <laughs> John, I'm so glad you're here. I, can't, I cannot tell you for how long. I mean, now there's the thing where I might have to get another job. But even before that, I have wanted to be shot out of a cannon, like, before I even knew there was such a job. How do I learn to become a human cannonball? How did you learn this? <laughs> Well, you know, for years I was a clown on Ringling Brothers Circus, right? And I used to watch the guy shoot out of the cannon. And, and I always thought it would be cool just to try that, you know? And I heard one of the guys was petrified that was doing it. There was two human cannon balls being shot at one time out of the cannon. And the one guy hated it. He was always getting hurt. And then I heard he was leaving. And they were going to hire this trapeze artist. And I said, if they can hire him, they can hire me. I'm like the right size and everything. So I got a message to the producer, Kenneth Feld, and guess what? I got the chance to shoot out of the cannon, and it was scary my first time. So the sum total of your training was you asked if you could get shot out of a cannon, and the guy who ran the circus just said, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that easy. It wasn't that easy because I was a clown. I was 26 clowns in the clown alley, so I was one of 26. But all the act people, the performers that have done this for years and years and passed this tradition on to their families said, there's no way a clown is going to be able to do this. So all the clowns were like, yes, you can, John. We'll support you. So we started the process of being trained by a Pikush. He was, he was Polish, and he was teaching me how to shoot out of a cannon. And I thought he was trying to kill me in the beginning. But, <laughs> but I, was, I was persistent. And then the first time I got shot out, you could see it in my eyes. I was petrified. My eyes were wide open. My back was killing me. My knees were killing me. I, I just knew that after that first time, I was going to be able to do it. Now, wait a minute. Back up a little bit to this guy that was doing it but was terrified. I mean, how do you find a guy to be in your show that's terrified to do his job? Why was he doing it if he was terrified? Paula, let me tell you something. They weren't petrified in the beginning. As the, the career went on, as they continued to shoot out of the cannon day after day, show after show, week after week, they were getting injured and they were getting more petrified the more they were doing it. All right. So, so what about you, John? Have you gotten injured? Well, I will tell you that, you know, in the very beginning when I was being trained, they put, you know, Pikus, the guy that was training me, put the cannon right against the neck. And he didn't give me any room to react, but I knew that after that first cannon shot, because I reacted so well, that I was going to be able to do it. So then what you do is you put it higher and further back from the net until you get to distances of 150 feet or so. And then so, once you so, do... So it starts a short shot. Is that what you're saying? You put it right near it's, the net? Well, you're not supposed to. I didn't train people that way. But that's how I was being trained in the beginning. I would uh -huh. never do that to someone else because the chances of you getting injured is really, really high. So, I, you know, in retrospect, I was thinking maybe I was trying to injure me to discourage me from doing it. But Oh, I see. I had all the clowns cheering me on. We were all crazy. We were having a good time. And, you know, <laughs> at my expense, of course. But, you know, I, I, you know, I proved everyone wrong. I was able to complete it, take the, take the act over, and then pursue it for another 15 years. Wow. Wow. So, now, did you lose your clown friends or, or, or were you still a clown at heart? No. Okay. So this is the thing. This is good that you asked this because as a clown, it's, it's obviously it's not a serious thing, but what I would do is I would clown the first half of the show. Then at intermission, I would take my clown makeup off and I was the human cannonball. Okay. Oh. So I did this, I did this for many years. And then one year the producer came up, Kevin Feld said, Hey, why don't you do it as a clown, as a human clown and ball? 
And I said, no, nah, come on. You know, I can't do that. It's a serious thing, you know? He said, no, listen, try it. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. It's going to be the first time it's ever being done. We'll make the cannon as a big, like, clown pop. And, you know, I said, okay, all right, I'll do it. As long as I can incorporate the safety part of, of what I need to do before I shoot out, I'm all for it. And that's what we did. For two years, I became the human clown ball, and it was awesome. Did uh, did your big sho- did your big shoes ever get stuck in the net? <laughs> no, that's the thing. I, I, I couldn't wear the big shoes, so. But um, oh well, then you're not a clown I, if you're not wearing the big shoe. No, I, hey now, Paula, that's I, offensive. I, come on, so, now, that is offensive. <laughs> Sorry, John. All right, I so have my clown uh, nose. So, Mister Clown and Ball. So you. So. <laughs> so. If you were training me, what instructions would you give me uh, about loading myself into the cannon? Okay. So if you, you know what a unicycle looks like? And a unicycle yes. seat is like a U. Okay. I have so one, pic- yeah. Pic- picture yourself sitting on a unicycle seat, okay? Right. And standing at the same time. So you're standing and sitting on the unicycle seat. And the distance between the floor and the seat has to be perfect. Your legs have to be locked in place. You're going to bring your elbows together in front of you with your fists together? Yeah. You're going to look up towards the sky and lock your neck. Oh. And then during the, during the process of being shot out, I will tell you certain things to do. The countdown, five, four, three, two, one, is not for the audience. It's for me. Oh, During really? that countdown, yeah, absolutely. During that countdown, I'm doing certain things within my body. So five, I'm adjusting my I'd legs. be doing certain things within my body during that countdown. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I'll do you have to why. clean your own cannon or does somebody else do that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us well, what you're doing with your body. Okay. Five. Yeah, what, so what so you, you got the countdown, five, four, three, two, one. At five, you're adjusting your legs, right? You're locking them in place. Four, you're tightening your buttocks. You, you got your legs and your buttocks all at one muscle. Three, you bring your elbows together in front of you with your fists together, with your wrists together, right? Uh-huh. And your, your fists are closed like you're punching somebody, okay? Two, right. you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hold your breath, take a deep breath, hold your breath at two. One, you want to close your eyes and keep it all, every muscle in your body tight as a rock, and then fire. So by the time you fire out of the cannon, it's less than a blink. It's about, it's about 12 to 15 G-forces within a blink. So within wow. that time, Jesus. you're... Yeah, no, your eyes are shut, right? So in pictures, my eyes are open right away as soon as I come out of the cannon just by the technique and what I'm doing. But I do not know where I'm at until I'm like 25 feet away from the cannon. Wow. Oh, wow. Exactly. Okay. Now, what because happens if you don't do that? If you don't tighten if you, up everything? All right, if you don't do that, okay, if you ah. don't tighten your legs and everything, your knees buckle, they bang on the inside of the cannon, okay? Ah. Inside, it's a cylinder that you're standing in. Okay, and and your knees buckle, your chin can hit the front of the capsule, so you're coming out and you're you're you you know you're 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 wobbly. You don't know what the hell's going on. It's like somebody like smacked you in the head. So you're flapping your arms and your legs, trying to figure out where you're at. And then mm-hmm. if you don't close your eyes, by the time you shoot out, your eyes are closed, and by the time you open them, you're halfway to the net. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Because because the force closes your eyes anyway. Absolutely. So it's extremely dangerous. So wow. So, Describe again when you're inside the the cannon. Are you actually on? You were you were talking about the um the unicycle. Are you on something? I mean, are your legs around something like a unicycle? Okay, if you were to take a pen cap from a pen and take yeah. the pen as the cylinder of the cannon, 
and you lay it on top of the pan and you pull that pen cap backwards with the opening facing forward towards the point, that's the capsule you're standing in. It's about six feet long and it's probably about shoulder or so. So maybe it's, maybe it's 60 inches wide. So okay. what are you standing on? Is it tapered or something? I'm standing on a platform that's a little bit tapered on the heels to give you a little lift and it gives you a little more rotation. You can do flat, okay? Now, in the right. middle of that cylinder is a steel, like, say, um, oh, man, how do I explain it? It's like um, it's like a, um, a, a divider in the middle of the, of the cylinder where the unicycle seat is attached. And oh, your, legs are on, your legs are on either side of them. And you're basically okay. not you're not standing with your you're standing with your legs almost not pigeon toes but out more more like a more like a duck walk, you know what I mean? So the so, force is okay. the force is coming both at your feet and at your butt. It's taking you're taking the force within your legs and your buttocks. Yes. Huh. And, wow. And if and and that's that's the important like, like I didn't realize this stuff until trial and error, but I wore knee pads and bra- back braces when I was training, but because of the year the the year. That I did, I did in the second year of the tour. It's usually a two-year tour, and I, I had to figure everything out mechanically and had heights, distances, all these different things within this time. But but when I did it for for the year, I did it a year and a half. There was yeah. no safety. There was no safety. So if you climbed in and the thing went off, you were getting cut in half. That's it. You're dead. You know what I mean? So it was well, like what the did first- they add in that was that made it safe? I did that. So I took it over the following year after I did it. So they hired uh-huh. me to take the act over and train other people and do it. So the first thing I did was I took about two weeks to figure out a manual safety that could be done while you're climbing in the cannon. It could be in place. It's a steel rod that went through the track and went through the behind the capsule of the, of the cannon. To make so sure that it, di- it didn't go off when you weren't ready. Is that what you mean? Right. When you were climbing in. Once you're in place, oh. then I would, I would get in. And then I put my wife at the controls of the, of the cannon. Oh, um, okay, so John, um, what is the explosive? What what's making the cannon fire? Well, there's hydraulics. Of course, you have you know sound effects for for different things, but it's hydraulics and some other things that's a trade secret that we don't talk oh. about. It's just it's, oh, okay. you know, it's like a magician. A magician's not gonna. I mean, there's no magic here. I mean, I'm controlling yeah. my body across an arena, and there's there's no wires in the street. It's live entertainment, you know. Yeah, but it's me, not gunpowder. No, man, no, no. It's it's a serious amount of hydraulics in there. I mean, it's 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 a, a it's an incredible amount of force. But you know, me, I was doing line drives. I was flying underneath the, the rigging, which at some points was only forty feet high and, and trimmed at thirty six. So I was probably flying a distance of one hundred and fifty or sixty feet within wow. three or four seconds, and I'm, I was only flying like they say thirty feet high. You know, because my legs have to come over. And as I'm flying, my legs are coming over my body and I'm landing on my back. So that whole thing, I mean, but I I got used to it. And so over time, I liked the strength of it and the force of it and the line drive. So that's how I eventually was able to do it. But, um, you know, it's it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, getting on on stage and and, and doing comedy. It's, it looks easy because you're good at it and it's effortless for you, you know, and you can roll and improvise and, and, you know, with live entertainment, it's the same thing. You know, these people are so well-trained. And believe me, I'm a kid from Long Island. I, 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 you know, I was never in the circus. My family was never in the circus. I remember going in and sitting in the nosebleeds in the garden and, and sharing a popcorn. You know what I mean? Me too. But where, I, where in Long Island are you from, Mike? Mike, I, I, John, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mike, Jeff, Ralph. No, I'm originally from Suffolk County. So I'm out, I'm out, my wife grew up in the heart of Long Island, which is Center H. I grew up in Selden. 
We had a house in Port Jefferson for a while. We met in high school. I ran away to the circus, became a circus clown, went to clown college. Then she joined that, she joined that year in 82, trained to become a dancer, audition. The choreographer said, go home, girl, and take lessons. Go da- ballet, tap, and jazz. She continued to stay on the road. The dancers, the showgirls, helped her, trained her the following year. She became a showgirl. So we were oh, clown wow. and showgirl. Yeah, clown and showgirl. And then we loved it so much. The, the producer at the time was Irvin Feld, which was Kenneth Feld's father. He saved uh-huh. the circus from John Ringling and Northern. He, he created Clown College back in 69. So Wow. So what happened was he loved us. He said, when you, when you guys ready to get married, I'll give you a circus wedding. We're like, you know, we're only, you know, two years dating. No, we're not ready yet, but we'll let you know. He passes away in 84. 86, we decided we wanted to get married. His, fa- his, his son says, I thought you, I said, we said we want to take a day off to get married in Long Island when our circus family and our family are together. And you never take the show off. That's the way it was. And he never. said, you never. And he said, he said, why don't we have a circus wedding? My father wanted to give you a circus wedding. So, of course, I said yes without consulting with Laura, my wife now, and, and said yes. And was, he said, we'll have, you know, the ring bearer will be a bear, the bridesmaid will be elephants. You'll arrive in a clown car and you'll ride off on an elephant. We'll do this. We'll do this. <laughs> Serious, it's true. And we'll do this in the center ring of Madison Square Garden during the show. And we'll, you'll want to have both your families there. And, of course, I yesed them to death. Told Laura, she thought I was crazy. And we started, they designed costumes for myself and my wife. And we had a beautiful wedding in 1986 in the, in the middle of Madison Square Garden. And we're still married with three kids. Oh, That's wow. That's fantastic. That's a great yeah. story. No. Yeah. And, and my, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it, it's just, uh, it sounds like you're making it up. But, you know, we had all three kids on the road. We did all the prenatal care. We had our carried on records. And, um, you know, we just your loved wife, it. When your wife gave birth, did she do it from up high and then the baby dropped into <laughs> a bucket with very little water in it? <laughs> yeah, we'll have a circus birth. We'll have a circus birth. You're going to love it. Oh, uh, my God. Hell no. Hell no. My wife, no, 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 no. No, she, she, was, she was brave. She did all the pretty again. She didn't do that. But she did have the two boys in, in New York and Long Island. And then my daughter was born in Sarasota, Florida while we were in clown college. I was uh, I was one of the directors down there. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Victor Hugo said the last resort of a king, the cannonball. The last resort of the people, the paving stone. We'll find out what's the last resort of the people who are cannonballs when we come back. <laughs> Cat of the Week is Bob from Yorktown, Virginia. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally, and everybody just piles on it, and it it's comfy, and yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique, and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. 
Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. And we're back with human cannonball John Weiss. John, this is this is really uh this is really fun because you interview like you're being shot out of a cannon. Oh man, I got I got so much built up energy from COVID, it's killing me. Oh yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wanted to go to clown college when I was young. I never did. Um I was baffled by the application though. Yeah, you know, <laughs> what was wrong with the application? It, first uh, of all, the, the spaces, were, like, I couldn't even figure out, do you write the answers on the application? Or, because some of the spaces, like, there would be a space, like a line, right, where you might write an answer, but then another one was in a box, and I could and and there wasn't nearly enough space to answer such a question. In fact, we talked to Bill Irwin about this on an episode. Um, That's right. I love Bill he too, he, Me too. Um, he, oh, he was man. a guest. Uh, he was a guest on our podcast one time. Um, uh, but the the questions were. I mean, the one that I remember specifically was, um, "When was the last time you cried, and why?" That's and, true. Um, that is one question. Yeah. And yeah. what what would be then, John, a, a favorable answer to that? What kind of answer <laughs> were they looking for? I said when I tried to answer this question was my answer was 
just a second ago because I don't understand the question. It seems That's like a good I answer pray. to me, John. Yeah. You, so, you know what? I will, I will tell you that, that, you know, filling out the questionnaire, you know, all that stuff. Now, this is the interesting thing. I did amateur clowning in Long Island at a team disco called Bugsy Malone's Speakeasy. And it was a team disco. And I started DJing. And I was balanced. I could balance anything. I, as long as I could pick it up, I could balance it ever since I was 12. Wow. So I was balancing stuff. And the guy said, you know, we have parties on the weekends. Here's a bag of clown stuff. Why don't you entertain them? I'll give you 50 bucks. 50 bucks in 79 and 80 was a lot of money. I was like, yeah, of course I'll do that. So I looked like Kiss. My makeup was slimy. I had plastic shoes, rainbow wig. And from that point on, I I started uh, clowning. So my mother worked for a travel agency and our boss was Definitely afraid of clowns. I said, please don't have John come in here and make us, right? We applied. <laughs> and my mother said, no, John, you can't. And, and of course, as a clown, the first thing you want to do is go in there, you know? So, but, and I didn't know any better at the time. So, so what happened was I auditioned for Clown College in Nassau Coliseum out of makeup, petrified. So I did the slaps and falls. I fell off a chair, bruised my back. And, and I said, oh, this is it, you know, because I was reserved. And they called me right. back for the audition in Madison Square Garden as Slinky the Disco Clown. That's what I was called. So I went in as a disco clown. I had a huge boom box. I used jam and I started balancing stuff and had everybody like entertained and dancing and, and doing this stupid clown stuff that was not even relative to the circus. <laughs> well, I got, I got an acceptance to go to clown college. It was tuition free, but you needed $1,500 for the room and board and food. Uh-huh. So I tell well, my and mother. And you're talking about clown food. Right, so yeah, you know that's that's it's a lot of you know it's a lot of Absolutely. hammered beans and that sort of thing. Yeah, okay. It's very amusing. It's amusing. Yeah, thing. it's good for the gas. <laughs> so, so I, I I told my mother, you know, we had no money, man. My mother was divorced. My, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, our family was divorced. We didn't have the money, and my mother was like, oh, "How could you miss this opportunity?" So she was talking to somebody on the phone in her office, and her boss heard her. And the next day on her desk was a check for fifteen hundred dollars for me to go to clown college from the guy who was definitely afraid of clowns. That is that's, 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 that's a really that's beautiful a, story. That's a, true, that's a true story, man. And oh, that's you know, so to, that's lovely. Right, but it doesn't come close to answering Paula's question. But it's an no. Amazing but wait, back story. up, John. What was the question again? I get out. Get me John, do you know why he gave your mom that $1,500? So that he could make sure that you were in Sarasota and nowhere near him. Absolutely. Um, no, the question, John, was what, what, yeah, is, what answer would be viewed positively uh, to the, by the Clown College to the question, when was the last time you cried and why? What's the right well, answer? Well, I don't know if there is a right answer. I think that if you were looking at the application, if I was an instructor looking at the application and you said the last time you cried, it, it would depend. I mean, it, it, did you cry because of a, a household issue because it was bad at, at home? Well, do you want that emotional person on the road dealing with other people? I don't, I don't know huh. if you do. I mean, and it may be the yeah. case. Or uh -huh. did, you cry, did you cry during a, an episode of Oprah? You know what I mean? Who knows what it is? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I well, think that's it's all easily relative. solved. Just don't let anybody watch Oprah on the in the yeah. circus. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. easy. <laughs> you know, I mean the backstory. The, the, the yeah. <laughs> but the backstories, <laughs> you know, the backstories is what you're looking for anyway. I mean, but you know, I mean, look, as a clown, your job is to acknowledge everybody in the audience. All right grandparents, kids, doesn't make a difference, children of all ages. And I, and I don't say, I mean, I mean it 
I mean it by it because when you went out there, what, what I taught other, other clowns was like, if you see a grandparent or a parent holding a kid screaming and kicking so you can say hello to that kid, you, you ignore that situation. And you, you go around that situation. You acknowledge everybody around the situation. That gives that kid an ability to process the situation and say, oh, this may be okay. You know what I mean? That's why right. people are, fright, are frightened of clowns for, for their whole life because of situations like that. So yeah. it's, a, it's a skill. To become a clown is a, is a skill. Anybody can put the makeup <laughs> on. You can put the, my makeup on you, but it's not me. It's the, you're just enhancing the features of your face. And you got to bring the spirit of who you are through your clowning. I mean, that that makes a real clown, you yeah, know. Because people, I, I love people, clowns. People by the way, you know, I mean, it's it's a it's it's a hard job. I mean, you have to be committed to it 100 percent from the time you step, you know, through the curtain, just like a comedian. As soon as you step through the curtain, and until you get behind the curtain, you know, there was many uh -huh. times we're all sick, we're injured. It doesn't make a difference when you get out there. Your adrenaline's pumping, and you just want to entertain. And there's nothing like live entertainment. So when I had a chance to shoot out of a cannon, I was like, wow, man, I could be, I could be like a, a super uh, Marvel or somebody like that for the kids, you know, set an example for yeah. them, you know, to do the right things, to take safety and safety is, is the most important thing. And if it's not right, don't do it. You can do uh, it tomorrow. I, I, love, I love the idea that you thought that getting yourself shot out of a cannon would show kids the right way to do things. <laughs> yeah, well, you, know. <laughs> you must be an amazing parent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So John, so you were a clown and then you you did clowning and were shot out of the cannon. Did you get an increased salary for that? Now you're doing two jobs? Well, you know what? It's funny because my first year I doubled my salary, so I thought I was making tons of money. And in retrospect, I knew I wasn't. They took advantage of me. But that's okay. I got Wait. it in the end because I <laughs> You doubled your salary as a clown in the first year? Well, yeah, because basically what they said to me was, okay, here's your salary as a clown. We're going to just double that and you do the cannon as well. And I, but how I did, was you, how did I was, you figure out that that's not, that that wasn't uh, the going rate? I mean, it's not like I, I there's a lot know. of other human cannonballs that you can call to find out what, you're, nobody, what they're getting paid. No, nobody's going to tell you what they're getting paid, man. Nobody. But all, they, all <laughs> I knew was there's an opportunity as an apprentice. So if I worked hard and, and, I, and I got the chance to learn this, Maybe I can be, you know, in charge one day. And that's what happened. So, I mean, it's a, to look, it's a I Toby took a Tyler chance. story. Yeah, I know. I took a chance. You know what I mean? I thought I was, I thought I was, woo, you know, making the money. You know, I didn't realize that I was a sucker, you know, but, but I got the opportunity to learn a craft that I didn't know. And not a, in most of these crafts are passed down generation to generation. They're not going to give away their secrets because they wanted to stay within their families. Yeah. And so right. I was, I was fortunate enough to learn it, help out other people do it safely and move on and walk away from it to be able to tell this story. So, and it was, let's face it. It was a, t a chance for you to tighten your buttocks. Um, I, uh, I'm <laughs> absolutely not, no, not too bad at 58. How gleeful. <laughs> I was just thinking how gleeful the guy must've been that got to negotiate the deal with the clown, you, you know, <laughs> How how happy they were after they'd been hung out to dry by the trapeze artist. The next guy in their office is the clown. They're like, yeah, I'll make this deal with the clown. That's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask you something. Okay, yeah. was there a part of your career where you were, was there ever a time when you, the only participation you had in the show was being shot out of the cannon and not clowning that day, just being shot out of the cannon? Never. 
Oh, okay, I would, look, if, if I was if I was shooting out of the cannon, I was doing something else. I was uh -huh. either, either the, the performance director, stage manager, operations. I always did everything. Uh, I was okay. in charge of all the trailers, parking them, making sure everyone's taken care of, so they can, you know, the families can get rested, including my my own. So, so and I used to do that... the balancing act in the show. The balancing so I, act too. Yeah, I used to balance and running chainsaw on my chin, twelve foot ladders, sixteen foot ladders, tables, chairs, shopping carts. Wow. And all that balancing, I still do too. Let me ask you something, John. And uh, you know, you can tell me, you know, secretly after the show if you want. Did you ever juggle <laughs> your kids? <laughs> Actually, I did. I put my kid in a. I did. I did. I'm glad you asked, Paula. <laughs> you have the best questions out of anybody, Paula. So basically, I put my kid in a director's chair and I balanced him on my chin. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I used to have my kids climb all, uh, up and down the cannon when I was cleaning it and getting ready for the next show. So they used to climb all over the cannon. I put my wife in the cannon once just to go in the cannon. And Laura said, my wife said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm done. But I used, to, I used to put people just in the capsule, uh -huh. raise it up, and, and they would be frightened without even being cocked yeah, back. It's, it sounds really frightening to me. You know, pe people try to say, oh, it's like skydiving. My brother was skydiving at the time. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's the easy said, No, it's not like skydiving, man. You're free falling, dude. You're coming yeah. out of an airplane. You know, yeah, it's awesome. It's an experience that you really can't explain unless you do it. I get it. But shooting out of a cannon, you got to figure you're taking your body from, you know, from point A to point Z in seconds. And right. it's being forced on your body. Like, you know, if you were to park your car in the middle of the 405, say, you know. Or, yeah. or 210, you know, freeway in, in California. And just park it there and let somebody come from behind doing about 65 miles an hour and your whole body is tense and tightened up. That's what it feels like. It's that much force. It's that dangerous. Is it fun? It, when it's fun, it's fun. When it's, when it's not fun, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's petrifying. Well, no. I mean, I have, a, I have a question, John. <laughs> and there's many a times where I was petrified. Well, you've certainly talked me out of parking my car on the 405, for one thing, <laughs> uh, which was something I was toying with. Uh, all right, but here's a question. I saw a piece on the News Hour the other night, a really wonderful piece, about a brass band that um, was from St. Louis. And they go around to different neighborhoods in St. Louis and do a marching band thing just down the street. And people come outside to watch. Uh, yeah. and they're just doing it to cheer people up. That's all. So I'm thinking now while you're talking, John, that I can use the skills that I've learned from you now to drag <laughs> a cannon through my neighborhood and shoot myself out of a cannon I, in front I of different neighbors' houses. I want to be the it. first one. I want to shoot you out of a cannon. I'll oh stop my you. God. You only get to do it once, Paula, because you're going to get hurt. But it's okay. Oh, yeah, no, no, I want to I want to get to that in a second, but I, I do have do to it. say I do have to say during these covid times, I can't think of anything more dangerous than a brass band. I mean, it's like you're shooting virus out of a cannon. No, right through the bell of that trumpet. No, they're walking in the center of the street and people are in there. I mean, they're not coming over. No, but, but Paula, not, think about the way, think about a trumpet. That is like no, a COVID cannon. No, yes. they are not. The, the, the people that are listening and being lifted up by this experience are not sucking the bell of the trumpet. They're, they're, yeah, I agree. They're, I and they're wearing their... Uh, no, no. It sounds like a joyful, joyous thing. And <laughs> all right, all right. what so John and I are going to create with our new Fantastic. cannon act. 
Now, John, we, 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 you did touch on something right now. That, that is kind of like the last question that we have to ask because it's, it's the money question. Um, could Paula now become a human cannonball or would she just hurt herself? You want my honest answer? Yes, John. Yeah, I do. I would love to shoot you out of a cannon, but you get hurt. I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise. I don't give all. a shit. It doesn't matter, John. It's for the Let's kids. Do it. I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna hold my morals and values. Forget about morals and values and stuff are in there. John, let's do it while I still have insurance, for heaven's sakes. Let's grease her up and get a shot out. All right. I can't yeah. wait. All right. Well, thanks so much, John Weiss. Now, Paula, given all that, given what you've learned about being a human cannonball, could you do that job? Well, I tell you what, Dustin Moberg, see if you can keep up with me. You're in a rut, squeeze your butt, and you could go flying. You could get hurt or tear your shirt, but it's worth trying. Use your hips, pucker your lips, gold diggers will find you. Don't be Steve Bannon, get in that cannon and cut the ties that bind you. Entertain your neighbors, lift them from their labors. You really have it all when you're a human. Yeah, I think I could do it, Adam. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) He's been shot out of a cannon more than 5,500 times. Thank you, John Weiss, for helping Paula learn how to go airborne. (laughs) My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on the air. Thanks, John. You were wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, John. John, That was awesome. Pleasure, pleasure, guys. Thank you, man. Bye. Coming up, our mailbag is bulging, and it's not with mail-in ballots. It's with messages from nobodies out there in America and beyond. We'll hear from all of you. That's when we return. Adam, you know I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really grovelly voice. So he'll, it's, it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay. So earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber fill vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling (laughs) because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. What is not to love? Which brings me to this. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family, you know that already, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. Go ahead, ask me. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet 
parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. That's a lot of pets. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Fun fact, the ashes of Fred Bauer, the man who designed the Pringles can, are buried in one, which, according to scientists, has the exact same nutritional value as any other can of Pringles. We now join the French Trump Weekly Friday Press Conference in progress. Thank you, Mr. President. Tony Romo again with ABC News. Uh, Mr. President, you said in your interview with Janine Perot that Vice President Biden was using performance-enhancing drugs. Mr. President, what performance-enhancing drugs are those, and what evidence do you have to make such a claim? Well, I mostly just know the street name for them. You know, like the Essel Mermans. They are sometimes called Essel Mermans. You know, go on with his show. Or I think he might pop some Liza Minnelli's. Sometimes you see how he kicks his leg up a little bit. That could be from the performance-enhancing drugs they call Liza Minnelli's. He looks strung out on the curtains-ups. Maybe, maybe he has taken too many Saturdays after the show. I'm worried he might OD on those little green, I'll be in my dressing room if you want me. He wears a mask to cover the effects of taking too many first night jitters. It looks to me like he's taking a drug that on the streets they call understudies. It doesn't always work, but when it does, it's fantastic. Mr. President, what evidence do you have? Next question! Next question! And we're back. Um, Paula, uh, we've got an important announcement again about our vocabulary contest. It's you know what people are sending in uh, they're send, they're submitting their answers to the vocabulary contest. Um, you have to listen to episode one hundred and nine and find all of the vocabulary words in it, 
and the 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 winner receives uh, a Zoom call with me and Adam and up to 100 of your friends. Apparently, people are coming so close. They're missing by like one word. So uh, yeah. those who care to, go to episode 109 and find all of the vocabulary words. We cannot wait to talk to you and your friends. We really can't wait. And, and, and again, we... Uh... Well, yeah, look, it's a hard vocabulary contest. It's 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 like a find a word puzzle plus a lot. Um yeah. but a lot of you we, have gotten almost all of them and um there's one word that a lot of you are missing though not certainly it's not always the same word, but um good luck everybody. Remember you can only uh play once, so really make sure you have that before you submit. And uh yeah. I'm sure we're going to have a winner any day now. Yeah, the word is not endocrine by the way. So it's not endocrine. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Maybe every week what we should do is let them know one other word that's not on the list. So endocrine will be the word this week that you know if you're listening to to show 109 and going back to try to find the winners of the vocabulary contest, you know that endocrine, even if we say it, and God knows if we do or not, that's not one of the vocabulary words. You know, I get the sense, Adam, that after two years working together, I've almost rubbed off on you. <laughs> yeah, that's something very familiar about the the hunt I just uh, proposed. Okay, well, um, Paula, it's about time we looked into what our listeners are thinking about because that's what's really important to us around here, right? Oh, it's very important. But wait, wait, Adam, answer the phone. Answer the phone. Really? Yeah. I was just talking about how we were going to do something. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, this is a, answer the phone. Yeah. Could be a listener. All right. All right. Hello, Adam. Am I the hundredth caller? No, you're uh, you're caller number ninety-one. Adam, uh, is this Winnie Feynman? It is. I haven't talked to you in so long, Adam. I'm very worried that we're not going to be able to perform my original play, Love Texts, on Zoom. I I just don't understand speaker view or gallery view. I just don't get it. <sighs> <laughs> well, well, Winnie, I, I don't want to do love texts, as I've told you many times, but speaker view and gallery view are very, very easy to decipher. Um, what do you mean you don't view... want to do love texts, Adam? You're contractually obliged. We are contractually obliged to do love texts. That has been sorted out a long time ago. Now I'm troubled by Zoom. Everyone is troubled by Zoom. No one likes Zoom, Adam. Well, yeah, nobody really loves Zoom because it's just a, a reminder of how isolated we all are right now. I'm but very Winnie, it's isolated. very easy to use. I'm very isolated. Adam, I might like to Zoom with you at some point. I'm very isolated. I don't know. Well, Winnie, um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, before the pandemic hit, you rarely left the house and rarely saw anyone besides your mother anyway, right? You know, since I've been in the theater... I have really expanded my, uh, you know, social, uh, you, you know, I know more people, Adam. I know more people now, but now we're isolated how we are. And uh, my mother wants her crockpot back. And I just, when it's speak of you, Adam, do I click yeah. on something? Am I supposed to click on something when it's speak of you? No, no. No, Winnie, especially if you're doing theater, don't do speaker view. Do gallery view. I don't know how to do gallery view. How do you do gallery view? There's a, there's an icon on your screen. It looks like a lot of little boxes. 
And it changes it from speaker view to gallery view. I it, don't it, it should be really easy. I don't easy. see it. Which corner is it in? Winnie, I'm, I, I, look, I don't know because I don't know what kind of computer you have. I do all my Zooming on, on, a, on an iPad. Um, on a what? So I, I really on can't. A, you do it on, on an, an iPad? iPad? That's disgusting. What? What? You do it on a... No, Winnie, but the... <laughs> an iPad. I don't have an the, iPad. The, the Apple a, iPad. I was hoping that maybe if I won the 100th caller contest, I could get an iPad at Roger Federer's. Um, but for now, I'm just using... I'm using a laptop computer. And I don't... Hold on. I'm talking to him now, but we're talking about Zoom, not... Your crock pot. My now, Winnie, tell your mother I don't have her crock pot. I don't even know where this idea came from. I do not have it. He says you're a crock pot yourself. I didn't say that. She's steamed now. All right, I gotta go. I'm gonna have to go. She's in a rage. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, good luck, Winnie. Thanks for calling. I'm putting you on speaker view. Wait, what? I'm putting you on. I thought you were hanging up. I am. I'm not on Zoom right now, Winnie. You can't put me on speaker view. All right, I have to go. I have to go. We'll work on this okay. later. Am I the hundredth caller? No, I won't. Am I the hundredth? No, you're caller number ninety-one. Oh, I'm so close. All right. Well, it was good talking with you. <laughs> good talking to you too, Winnie. Bye. Bye, Adam. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Um, I feel so bad for her so, because that Zoom thing can be so goddamn frustrating. I really. Yeah. I really feel bad for her. And why don't you give her mother back her crockpot, for heaven's sakes? Because I never received a crockpot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. And, and and that makes sense because, thank the Lord, Winnie doesn't know my address. Oh, she does. Um. All right. Uh. So I thought you what, were you talking about mailbag? Yeah, mailbag. <laughs> mailbag. All right, so everybody, uh, we're going to bring Tony and Nina Hull up to the mic, and it's time for Mailbag. Mailbag. All right. <laughs> mailbag. Uh, Tony and Nina Hull, step on up to the microphone. How are you doing today, Tony? <laughs> I'm doing so well. So Fantastic. well. Tony, yes. Tony, was that being shot out of a cannon thing intriguing to you as well? Because I know you want to go on a cruise. Same thing, really. <laughs> well, I think a cruise is uh, not quite as safe, but yes. Yeah. I would never be shot out of a cannon. Really? Ever. And and yet... You couldn't pay me enough. And yet you want to go on a cruise during COVID. Huh. <laughs> yeah. It's well, inconsistent, If you take a COVID cruise, it's a big discount these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very yes. cheap. And you, very cheap. And you also can't dock afterwards. Um, all right, yeah. so, <laughs> so Tony, we got some mail. We do, we do. The first one's from a nobody named Jonathan in Durham, um, New Hampshire. I enjoy Tony's stories and love her involvement in the show. Her laugh always makes me smile because it's so genuine. Instead of Captain Crinkle getting her own podcast, maybe we should run a pilot of the Tony Anita Hall podcast. With love, wishing you all health and safety. Nobody, Jonathan. Well, that is from Durham, a, New Hampshire. That's a beautiful that's story. Nice. Maybe, um, Tony, you could docudrama your cruise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like how, like how nurses were sometimes telling their own story through Instagram during the New York 
you know, pandemic response when the hospitals were so full and they would stay in hotels. And, you know, you could do that on the cruise and that could be or, or you could podcast right from the cruise and you could talk about how many people keeled over at the buffet. I don't know if I'm going on the cruise. No. What? What do you mean? <laughs> it might be, it's probably going to get canceled. Yeah. You think? Huh? Wow. <laughs> this is the first time yeah. I've heard you express doubts, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the fact that Tony that you decided that uh, of all the of all the uh emails that we receive and we receive so many. Um <laughs> You decided that this one was the one that we really needed to discuss. So I thought it was. Yeah. So do you have an idea never, for a podcast? No, I don't. But no one ever says nice things about me. That's not true. So this oh. is nice. Uh, Tony Anita Hall, that, no, I mean, that is not true. I love Tony Anita Hall. I have been against this cruise idea since the very start. And I don't know what brother it is that's trying to get you to go on a cruise, but it's the one who wants your inheritance. I can tell you that. It's, he is on yes. my life insurance policy. Exactly. That's I knew right. it. And he's, I knew it. And Tony is heir to the Hall family fortune. So uh, <laughs> there's all these reasons why that might happen. Yeah. They, uh, Tony's, Tony's family makes their money from boats. <laughs> they uh, they get paid. Oh, uh, oh uh, hey. I, I hate to interrupt. Uh uh Miss Poundstone? Uh, yeah. Is this Mrs. Poundstone? Detect- I hate to interrupt. It's, who is this? It's me, Detective Delano from the L.A. Police Department. Oh, I hate, yes. How I hate I to interrupt in the middle, yes. especially in the middle of a viewer mail's uh, a segment. Uh, it's just terrible manners, and I hate I hate to interrupt. I'll, I'll probably just show myself out. Well, no, what do you want? Uh, you know, you know, nothing, nothing. I, you know, as you know, I'm, uh, I'm investigating uh, everything connected with your intern, Doug, who, who, you know, sadly passed away in a brutal murder a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, a so, terrible, yeah. shocking thing, and we've been trying to unravel it ever since. Yeah, 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 and you know, you've done a great job so far, and, uh, you know, I'm doing my little part with the boys down in the station. I just had to ask you, Ms. Poundstone, about this uh, Tony Anita Hull. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, one clue. Who was just talking. One clue is that she uses three names like that. That's always yeah, which uh, as we know has always been a hallmark of murderers all over the country. Exactly. James Earl Ray. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Don, uh, Donald John J. Wayne Gacy. Donald J. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Donald J. Trump. Uh, well, I don't want to get political. You know, the the missus hates it when I get political. But I just wanted to ask. I I heard it mentioned a couple of times that uh. Tony Anita Hull had some problems with the way uh, your intern Doug was conducting himself. Would you? You would know, you say that's true. She doesn't normally get angry, but I remember a time uh, where she was just seething at Doug um, uh-huh. uh, right. for um, uh, I forget what mistake he made. Um, uh, yeah, well, everybody makes mistakes. Obviously, it was a little mistake, as I recall. I think he, I think he uh-huh. accidentally pulled the plug while we were recording. Oh, he pulled the plug out. Yeah. Oh, ooh. Yeah. So we did a whole, that would we did if a whole, I was responsible for the day to day production of a show that would enrage me. Yeah. Well, I I think that she was enraged over that, and I you know, you know, I love Tony Anita Hall, and far be it from me to throw oh, her yeah, under the course, bus. But you know, I have zoomed with right. her before, and she does use a fake background. I, I don't know if that's a clue. 
a, fa- a fake background on a Zoom. You know what? That's on one of those personal computers, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, the missus always tells me I need to get one of those, but I'm all thumbs all the time. And, and who can afford the gas money alone? But, uh, boy, Tony and Ida Hall being angry. How close to... Uh, to Doug's murder was this incident with the with the zoom. Uh, I think it was the, and the plug. The, the zoom and the plug. I think it was maybe the the day before. I think the day before. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. The day before, yeah. Tony is enraged at Doug, <laughs> and then Doug is tragically murdered in his uh, in his apartment. Yeah, and I remember I had just given her a copy of uh, Adam Felber's book, maybe maybe two days before. Just something. A copy of the book, the book that was uh, found next to Doug's body with a, a corresponding book-shaped dent in Doug's head. Yes. Yes, that's the one. That could have just been a coincidence. All right. It's probably nothing. Yeah. That doesn't sound like anything. I'd better go. All right. You're going to see yourself out? Uh, yeah. I'll just let myself out. Oh, and Miss Pounce done one more thing. Yes. Ah, uh, thanks. Goodbye. Wow. Well, uh... Um, Wait, Tony, I really covered that for you. An... <laughs> Paula, if you don't mind me saying so, it didn't really sound like you covered for Tony. You kind of... Not at all. I'm appalled at what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you kind of threw Tony under the bus with Detective Delano. Uh, yeah, well, honestly, Adam, I was doing it because, in truth, Tony and Anita Hall wouldn't hurt a fly, and I was ultimately I was protecting you, who surely... The the uh, you know the finger of fate's gonna eventually point towards here, the long arm of justice. Why would the finger of fate talk to alone among the people on this show? I I have seemingly no motive or access to Doug the intern. I I I resent that, Paula. Yeah. Well, I was just trying to protect you because I know eventually the long arm of the law, and a swing over right. in your direction. The 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 weather vane of pain is gonna point uh, point towards if you. you. Say so. Yeah. Well, Tony, while you're still a free woman, is there anything else in the uh, mailbag? Yep, we heard from uh, Gail G. And this one is uh, for you, uh, Bonnie and Adam. Shabbat Shalom means good Sabbath. It is an expression of goodwill on the Sabbath. For Jews, it happens to be Friday night through Saturday. But you could say it to Christians on their Sabbath as well. It does not mean good Saturday. Who thought? Thank you, Gail G. Who thought? Um, who thought it meant Good Saturday? Um, when we when we first talked about Shabbat Shalom, I somewhat waggishly remarked that it meant Happy Saturday, because um, or or hello or, or peaceful Saturday, because Shalom means hello, goodbye, and peace in Hebrew, and Shabbat is actually a day of the week, Saturday, um, as well as being the Jewish Sabbath. Hmm. Well, apparently Gail G disagrees with you. Um, remember that? Yeah. Do you remember does. that Beatles song? <laughs> shalom, 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 shalom. I don't know why you say shalom. I say shalom. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. That's that song doesn't really work in Hebrew, does it? Wait a minute. <laughs> what? I thought it was hello, goodbye. Oh, I get it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Oh my God! Do you know? I I hope I hope that none of our nobodies. I hope that none of our listeners are con artists. But if there are, they just perked up. They're just like, oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> 
it's not it's oh, not Bonnie Captain Crinkle Burns. It's Bonnie Mark Burns. Oh my God. <laughs> Bonnie, how long was your interview in the Beatles documentary? <laughs> I have to say, I really made myself laugh there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... My face hurts. I don't think Project Runway could wow. possibly outdo that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bonnie was just voted out of the Beatles fan club. My God. Wait a minute. Oh, my God. You know what? I want that. Like, Peter P, Peter Sagal one time made a turkey sound on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And I loved it so much <laughs> that they put it on. I remember. They put it on a loop for me. There's a, a little button that I can push that plays the recording of Peter doing the turkey sound. It's great. It's very sweet of them. Um, yeah, it is fantastic. I would like to have uh, the same kind of button with the loop of Bonnie going, wait a minute, I thought it was hello, goodbye. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Uh, Bonnie, how, uh, how, like, I just have a question for Bonnie. How, how much did you pay for your swamp land in Florida? <laughs> now you know you've been you know you've been very impressed with my astuteness through the years when was that how many times not when you're you outside said, of boston how many times have you said now that's really smart mm, boy i i Come let me on. just say uh I don't know. Wow, Bonnie, you're setting yourself up for this. I, yeah, I don't yeah, know, but no, if I know, but if I, know I were what to, the truth if is. if I were to guess, I'd say single digits. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, given your 25 year history with Bonnie, that's like once every two years. Yeah, so we've yeah, had what, a lot of good. We've had a lot of good moves together. Oh yeah, no question. Well, I thought yeah, it was. I, know. I thought it was hello goodbye. <laughs> um, Bonnie, do you remember the? Do you remember the Beatles song about the puppy? Let it wee. <laughs> Wait a minute, Paula. I'm pretty sure that's not what the title was in actuality. Yeah, let, let it. I thought it was let it. I thought it was let it be, and you said we. Oh. Yeah, no, no, it was Let It We. I get yeah, it. it. was, a, it was yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, 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 apparently, John Lennon used to get very annoyed over people reading into his lyrics. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, he was especially upset when people didn't understand Let It We. Um, yeah. Hey, Bonnie, <laughs> do you remember the Beatles' um, anti-sex anthem, Hey Prude? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or that really yeah. weird uh, uh, amphibian song, Why Don't We Do It on the Toad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all Why right. don't we do times. it on the toad? <laughs> <laughs> Which song is she? What song is that a takeoff on? What was the what? What song was that a takeoff on? It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. They had a song, Why Don't We Do It on the Toad. <laughs> 
No, really, which one was it? No, I just told you. It wasn't. It was, why don't we do it on the toad? Um, no one will be hopping away. <laughs> why don't we do it in the toad? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, hey, Tony, is that the, have we reached the bottom of our mailbag yet, or have we distracted yeah. you for long enough? <laughs> that was we it. That was, we had two mail. We had two pieces of mail. I can. Jesus. I can. I can do another. It's no wonder the post office okay. isn't delivering. There's not enough. No, we're getting plenty. Tony, if your if your hand isn't shaking too much from the from the um, accusations of Detective Delano, you're happy. We'd be happy to have you read us one more. Okay. This one this more is- from what, Adam? <laughs> one more from what? One more entry in the mailbag. <laughs> mailbag. Wow, what is that noise? Do you hear it? What noise? <laughs> well, then you. Well, well, then I think you don't hear it. Yeah. You know what? Do you mean the glockenspiel that Paul has been playing for the last year, Bonnie? No. Would you shut up? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's that is on its way to the Hall of Fame of clever rejoinders. Would you shut up? <laughs> Absolutely, Alan Hale worthy. <laughs> Little buddy. Oh my gosh! All right, where are we? I don't know where we are. Bring Mrs. Culpepper back. <laughs> oh, no, let's have Tony has one more piece of mail for All us. Right, okay. I have another piece of mail. Okay. Yay! It's- um it's from sarah p uh i'm so concerned for adam allowing winnie Feynman to get through the phone lines is creating a hostile work environment adam please contact your hr department and get your lawyer on con what is that noise your lawyer on what is going on (laughs) i'm gonna take a wild guess and say bonnie did you forget to turn your ringer off did you just hear something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is, this is like that. This is like that god awful late night commercial when the adult son is working with his father and he says, "I love you, Dad," and the and the dad goes, "What? What?" And finally, the son goes, "Nothing." <laughs> Yeah, Bonnie, we all heard kind of a ringing in our ears <laughs> as though somebody's landline was ringing. <laughs> well, then maybe it was me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Really? You know, I think, Bonnie, do you want to get that call? It's probably a neighbor no. calling <laughs> to ask you to blow your nose more quietly. I never blew my nose. <laughs> That's a vile calumny, Paula. That's a vile calumny. It is a vile. She's blown her nose over and over again during this episode. It's quotidian. <laughs> now, now Mike's going to call. We're He's never going to find Adam, our way out. Adam, answer the phone. Adam, answer the no. phone. Oh. Adam, I answer the phone. Hello, you're on. Welcome to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> You're the 90-second caller. Hello. Hey, hey, Adam, it's just me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifant. Man, I'm so thankful. I know she said quotidian. 
I know, Mike. Um, oh, man. I fucking love Captain Crinkle. You guys are the best. Thanks for the quotidian, man. I gotta go. I gotta go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you for calling, quotidian. Well, at least that brings us one call closer to the end of this fucking contest. But, um... <laughs> sure that's the right attitude, Adam. <laughs> hold it, I have to cough again, hold it. Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. All right. My cough has been much better, but there's just, there's been so many Bonnie-isms tonight that I've... It's, <laughs> so many. It's, it's, it's causing... It's all causing fluid yeah. in my lungs, let me just say that. Uh, <laughs> oh. I'm so tired. <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh. Um you know, it may be that Doug offed himself just to get some peace and quiet. I you know, I I on nights like this I think about following him. Yeah. He was working he was working awfully closely with Captain Crinkle and he probably was just like you know That's true. You know, she was calling him at like three in the morning to ask him about whether he had a crush on the guy from Wagon Train. <laughs> Somebody ought to check on our editor, Michael Hoagie, at this point. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. All right. Well. It's, it's done. The, all right, the mailbag. Okay. Is that it? You're cutting us off? We're done. No more. I'm cutting mailbag off. That's it for mailbag. All right. Okay. Have, have it your We're way. We're done. We're done with mailbag. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, Jesus, wait. The, wait, the dogs just came in. Hold on. The, the pod puppy has my glockenspiel in his mouth. Um, there it mail, is. Ba- mail, mailbag. Okay. Uh. No. We did <laughs> wait, it backwards. No. Yeah, and then never. <laughs> Let's try it one more time. That's it for mailbag. Um. Wait. Mailbag. Oh, good God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just, Honestly. You know what? If I do it one more time, Bonnie's going to go, did anybody hear a noise? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll be back with more train wreck after this. Welcome back. Paula Poundstone, do you have anything else going on that we should know about? Oh, I do, Adam. A lot of people have asked if I'm making a game show, and I am. I just started making a game show called Nobody Asked You, starring Paula Poundstone. It's a comedy lemonade stand on an oppressively hot year. You can find it on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, And also, a lot of people have asked if I'm still making cameo videos, and I am. Go to cameo.com slash Paula P33. That's cameo.com slash Paula P33. And order a video postcard from me to whoever you want. I can tell your friend who moved away how much you miss them, or I can tell your friend who lives nearby how much you wish they'd move. Also, by the way, a lot of cats have asked me if they can still get Poundstone Pussy Pillows, the four and a half inch by five inch pillows stuffed with catnip, personally autographed to your cat, uh, which you can get through my website, paulapoundstone.com. And the answer is yes, of course you can. By the way, Adam. Yes. No one asked me. I just made that part up. But the rest is true. 
I believe you, Paula. <laughs> and I just want to remind our listeners that um, if you're looking for something to do on a Sunday night, why not tune in to ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, turn down your sound, and listen to me and comedian Jeff Cesario offer alternative comedic commentary on the Starburn Sports Simulcast. Yep, you can hear me and Jeff and special guests who last week included Peter Sagal and Jimmy Pardo. Uh, you can hear us call the game, um, and you can get all that at StarburnSports.com. That's StarburnSports.com. That sounds like fun. It is really fun. We just need you to get ESPN, Paula. I don't, uh, I don't have cable. Um, uh, right, I, right now, I just have a film strip. I watch a film strip late at night. <laughs> all right, we want to hear from all you nobodies out there. If you want to enter our theme song contest, send us a sync show description or just drop us a line. The address is nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. I'm going to say it again so you can pull over to a screeching halt and write it down. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. You can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're all over the place. And check out our Facebook page at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, John Weiss, and thanks to house band Dustin Moberg from Caledonia, Minnesota. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lazebnik, and the suddenly under suspicion Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie, Starburns production by Land Romo, and thanks to our former intern, Doug. You're not forgotten. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe me a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Wow, Paula, do you think Tony could have done it? No. She's the nicest person in the world. Isn't it always the nicest person in the world? Sometimes it is. Jeffrey Dahmer seems sweet. Um... Uh, I, uh, no, no, she's, she's, no, no, no. she's a, no, uh, absolutely not. She has been going to those, uh, Trump land places on the week. No, that's ridiculous. No. And you know, cruises do take you safely into international waters, but. That's absurd. No, no, no. That's ridiculous. No, I can't. You know what? I won't even, I won't even entertain the thought. No. 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 Ah, no, 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 not our. Ah. She does have those fake back. No, that's. No, no, of course not. Now you're just being absurd. <laughs> Starbanks Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.